Good morning. Good morning. The uh, every time I come, I uh, always seems to talk about my bicycle trip to here. I always kind of uh, I think this is where things begin. And uh, there's always, it seems that there's always something happening on the way. I live on Christie and Dupont. So it's not far, you would think that, that not much would happen. But something, sometimes always, something happens. It seems to always to happen. Anyway, so I was driving today, I was going <laughs> through that hill and uh, puffing like crazy. And uh, it's a long time I haven't took that hill. So. And then, uh, I usually, uh, just before I arrive on Saint Clair, there is on the east side of Christie uh, a, a little uh, house which is occupied by a, a Tibetan teacher. And uh, it's been there for like 25 or 30 years maybe. And so um, every time I go by it, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's a beautifully uh, painted <coughs> with uh, the Tibetan colors. And, Right uh, on top of the door, there is like those uh, two uh, carving of a deer with uh, the uh, Dharma wheel right in the middle. And uh, <coughs> while traveling in uh, South Korea with uh, Samu Sunim, uh, I was taught that every time you would cross the path of an altar, whether outside or inside, you would actually perform a, a bar. So I took the habit that every time I was riding my bicycle to give a talk, I was always looking forward to go by this uh, uh, place and as best as I could managing my puffing and uh, <coughs> myself on the bicycle giving a bow on the way as soon as I was passing by. And uh, today uh, I went by it and the house, uh, the uh, carving are no more. Uh, the colors are no more. The, uh, it's just basically a regular house. They must have moved out, you know. And so uh, I felt a little sad because I had developed a relationship <laughs> with the, this building, you know. And so I was kind of a, no, I said, this is really uh, sad. <laughs> and on the other hand, you know, coming over here, uh, here we are on Vaughan Road. And um, basically, when we opened this, the first time this temple, I was there and I trained in this temple for uh, quite some years. And we moved after that to, to a bigger place on College Street, you know. And then uh, uh, suddenly I got this uh, phone call from Sanha and said, you know, Anjali, if you could come and give a, a, a talk, you know, over here. And I say, and I realized that we were back on Vaughan Road. <laughs> so uh, it, it was interesting because uh, it was kind of a relationship, I thought, as handed. And yet, you know, uh, it is renewed in a different light, under a different light. Anyhow, and it seems that actually, you know, uh, relationships occupies really uh, most of our lives. We have a relationship with uh, pretty much anything between our work, uh, our uh, family, uh, fa relationship with the weather, relationship with the bus driver, relationship with love, with anger, with all of those things. We each one have pretty much intimate relationship with so many different things. <coughs> and those things change all the time. So 
I had, uh, I received not long ago an email from a friend of mine, which uh, told me, she said, uh, oh, um, Jacques, I lost a friend today. She was not willing to go through a hard thing with me. And uh, I'm feeling sad. And uh, could you please, uh, if you have any good word to say about me as a friend, could you please let me know? So, of course, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I did all I could to write something to bring some ease and, uh, to her and reinforce the way that uh, she is just like a fine friend, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and so that was the most immediate things I felt doing. But I thought about it to also, and I thought about how, you know, the idea of losing a friend bring an end to a relationship. And uh, so somehow I, thought, I felt a little sad in some ways because it means really literally you're closing a door. You're basically narrowing yourself. And um, <clears throat> not in a way failing to open up to, in a way, uh, anything. You know, and, uh, life, <laughs> life is not a single line. It has a lot of magic, it has a lot of mystery that reveals itself if you show up to it, you know, if you show up to it. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me back in 19, uh, 1991. Samus, I was training under Samusim, uh, my teacher, and, uh, <clears throat> and he asked a group of us, like uh, there were five of us, if we would join him in South Korea for a pilgrimage. So we have heard so many stories about uh, monasteries and mountain training, all those wonderful teachings and monks, and so we were so eager to go there and meet the tradition, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so, and it was going to be for quite some time, for like about like two and a half months or so, you know. So. Uh, <clears throat> And since I was going to be in South Korea, I thought to myself, I had finished opening up a restaurant for a friend of mine. So I thought, well, maybe I could take an extra three to four months off and travel around Southeast Asia after the trip. So it was going to be a big chunk of time. So my friend uh, decided to have a little event, you know, just to wish me good luck, you know, and uh, farewell. And so we went to this fancy restaurant, you know, it was actually fancy, but I really liked it because it was rather elegant and very funky at the same time, you know, nice friction. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, we're having this evening, a lovely evening, but uh, and great party and all. At those days, we didn't have, need much of an excuse to have a party, but uh, basically I provide uh, a good one for everyone that day. And, uh, <clears throat> And we had a waiter, which was fine, except that he was very much overwhelming in some ways that uh, he was on top of everybody and trying to really control the entire evening, you know, which somehow I, I could see disturb a few other people. We were a good group. So I approached him and I said, uh, listen, you know, good job on the, wait on the waitressing and all that. 
but you know, please give us a bit of space. I think that people are feeling a little crowded, you know what I mean? Like a no offense, you know, everything else. He didn't take it too well, you know, and I felt very bad. <laughs> I, I felt very bad, you know, having to say that to him too also as well. So the best I can say is we didn't leave each other in good terms. <laughs> so I went to South Korea for like about, uh, you know, like two and a half months. Fantastic experience, uh, very intense, uh, very rewarding. And then uh, suddenly I was going to meet a friend in uh, Bangkok. This is, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to shorten the story, don't worry. And so we, uh, <laughs> we uh, I arrived in Bangkok on my own and uh, Im was like a musician and he had taken his band to Romania for a jazz festival. And so we were going to meet in Bangkok and so I thought between my intense time in South Korea and this intense time in Romania, we could use a little bit of paradise, you know. So I basically I had two weeks to organize this little journey for us, and I heard about this island, you know, between Cambodia and Thailand, which somehow kind of a little underdeveloped. So I thought, this is perfect. Let's go. So when you arrive, I say, come, we'll go into this little paradise island. So we go into this little island, and surely enough, very underdeveloped, you know little bamboo huts, you know, like uh, very far apart from each other, uh, really sandy beach, coconut tree, blue, turquoise uh, sky, uh, mm -hmm. sea, blue skies, perfect. And hardly anybody there. The only electricity was like those wires. Every uh, single little uh, light bulb was attached by fish hooks planted into the wire. So this is <laughs> as underdeveloped you can really see. It was like really basic, you know. So we passed one, two days, and so. And one evening, I was just uh, came out, and I said to my friend, I want to have a little walk on the beach, you know, on my own, and just like uh, see the sunset and all that. So I go, and this beautiful beach, long, empty, you know. I walk into the beach, and then suddenly I saw a little point there, and afar. And so I walked towards that little point, and this point walks towards me. And who is it other than the waiter? No lies. And we looked at each other, whoa! <laughs> Needless to say, there was nothing left of our discord or anything like that, you know. And so I thought it very much looked like a real cosmic joke. <laughs> Somehow, like, you know, the stars were really throwing us into this kind of blender, you know. And we had to react, you know, in a way we, we had to let go. But somehow, even having done that, I mean, just showing up was already so easy to let go because it was so, it showed us like how there was no use to holding on. <laughs> but I got better. <coughs> Almost 10 years later, uh, my wife and I bought a house and uh, we were in the middle of renovation and you know, it can be so, stressful and tiring, you know, just to, to be in your house. And so uh, 
I uh, one one evening I said to her, I said to her I said well listen you know let's take a break and uh, let me take to the, let me take you to this restaurant which was at the end of the street we were new so we haven't tried it you know and it's a tiny little restaurant and uh, we go there and eat and of course who gives me the menu <laughs> but again the same waiter. <laughs> so we looked at each other and we, it was like as we actually went through circle, you know, we met in a restaurant, we just, you know, left each other in the restaurant. So this is, I guess I'm making, I'm telling you that story just to make a point about how, in some ways, uh, the uh, leaving things open for the magic to happen, you know, and all that. Here, it was very easy for us because uh, really we didn't have to do anything. Time and space kind of provide us the answer, you know. We didn't really have to do anything. So, which raised the question, you know, what then, how do we do, you know, if we don't have that help? Always keep the door open, let's uh, change in a way, and time, you know, do its magic. And let's try to show up, you know, to it. And I think our practice, a lot of our practice is just about that, about learning to show up and stay there, you know, not being so uh, preoccupied or collecting all of those uh, kind of uh, uh, emotion, feeling and barriers and everything else, you know narrowing, constantly narrowing our path, you know, our view of the world, you know, rather than just to uh, keep it open. So, just coming up with a bodhisattva heart, you know, and uh, <coughs> opening up, always doing this extra step to the unknown, you know. This is a wonderful image, Zen image where like the, <coughs> the the man is like climbing up a bamboo stick, you know, a hundred foot bamboo stick, and he's standing there on top of the bamboo stick on one foot. And the teacher say, one more step. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to find, you need to develop a, a, a test for that one more step. You know, doing something that you never thought you probably would do. You know, faith with great faith. You know, so it's, you're doing it first, of course, you're doing it for yourself. But you're doing it also for the sake of all beings. You know. The Bodhisattva path is about that. Right? Extending yourself, discovering your 1,000 arms. How may I help? So, <clears throat> but the main thing is showing up. Yeah. Another relationship I, I think sometimes uh, is interesting is the one we have with time. You know. And uh, <coughs> I find it, uh, you know, like uh, yesterday I was like at the, uh, at the camera stores on, the Qu on Queen Street. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> I, w I wanted to buy a uh, little memory card uh, for my, cam for my uh, camera when I travel. And so it, it has different plugs, you know. And so uh, the price also varied, meaning that uh, one could uh, download something in just like uh, 10 minutes, another one in five minutes, and another one in one minute, you know. So I ask myself, you know, I say, <laughs> how much time I don't have 
to actually, you know, justify myself buying, you know, uh, things like that. Mm. I was taking my, uh, uh, I was taking my, uh, my daughter was driving me, my stepdaughter was driving me. Uh, the first day she got a driving license, she gives me a ride. I was a little in the front, you know, of the car, a little kind of a nervous, I would say, because she's, the car was so big and she's so small. You know, I, I, well, I was wondering how she could see the road here. You know? And so, and she was at the red light, but she's so cool. <laughs> like, totally, you know, re totally relaxed. And so she's like this, and we have the red light, and the, the light goes green. And then, you know, uh, it, it didn't take about uh, more than a second or two, and the fellow behind her, meh, 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 you know, like this. And she smiles and looks at me, she says, car time. You know? <laughs> And it only hit me, and I said, yeah, that's right, we have different uh, set of time for, uh, for, for different things, you know. And also, uh, like for, you know, I mean, it's quite, it's, it's quite something. Like I remember in a computer before, in order to uh, download, say per se, like a, a, a site, when we first get the internet, or to have the pictures of something, you would go like the image would come like very slowly like this. Now it's just like you know, nanosecond it comes out, and yet you know we're trying to buy, they're trying to sell us something faster and faster and faster and faster. So I kind of always wonder the kind of effect those things have on us. I drive my bicycle all the time, and so. When in the winter it's nice, I have a lot of space because very few people drive their bicycle, so it's really nice. Thing. When comes the spring, you know, then suddenly you get like a, a, everybody comes with their new bike, a new helmet, new everything, you know, and uh, and they speed like you know, like it's incredible. They have only one desire, one goal is to be on front of the person which is on front of them. That's the only thing, you know. And it's something, you know, I, I, I remember when I started to bicycle too also, I became very much aware of that, you know. And uh, so I said, whoa, wait a minute, yeah, what's going on, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, it's like, you know, those uh, dog ranks, you know, where they have those little rabbits, you know, like a fake <laughs> rabbit on the side, who goes like, <laughs> and those groundhog dogs, you know, like, <laughs> they want to catch it all, you know, that's how they respond to their own conditioning, <clears throat> you know. So, <clears throat> showing up is important so that you can actually see your own conditioning and learn to stop, you know. I have one mantra in my bicycle is, lose every battle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what my teacher taught me. It's called uh, winning by losing, you know. And uh, <clears throat> if somebody wants to win the, way, the race, go right ahead, you know. And uh, I was always like seduced by bicycle. I remember when I was a kid in the seventy, you would see like sometimes some real from uh, from China. You know, they at the time used to all you know kind of a ride bicycle. You would see like tires, thousands of bicycles driving. But what was really nice? No one was rushing. You know, everybody like and they were like a river, a gentle river. Mm -hmm. You know, so. <clears throat> What are we losing with that, you know, relationship with time? So it's, a, it's an important, you know, things to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, really uh, acknowledge and you need to show up in order to become aware and you need to show up in order to act to it, you know.
So, <laughs> but when I came here today, and there was already a lot of people sitting, and when you sit like this, in the middle of uh, so many people, quiet, silent, deep, everybody just like so willing just to stop, you know, and connect with something much greater than everything you can ever buy. Yeah. So precious, nothing special. Because they are, you know, they can tell you how much you can be special. And it feels good, it feels really good to be special, feel special. I mean, you feel that, huh? Yet it really separates you from everything else. You know? Feeling special can even happen here. So you need to show up in order to acknowledge those things and do something about it. Gives you a direction where to go. You know, just awaken the teacher within you, because you know practice is bad news, good news. <laughs> the bad news is like a <coughs> it's not going to teach you to be more compassionate. It's not going to teach you wisdom. Not going to teach you anything at all. It's, gonna, it's just going to give you access to it, the one that you already have. But for that, you have to show up. Yeah. So, you showed up here <coughs> in place, in forms, but you show up also here, you know, connected with yourself and everyone else. Hmm. There is uh, really <coughs> thousands of like, uh, teachings in, in Buddhism, I don't know if I, I won't be wrong if I say 200,000 or 2 million, let's put it this way, <laughs> I would say. It's infinite. There is one for each one of us. Uh, yet at the same time, in order to reach it, we need to make ourselves available. We need to open up. You know? We need to show up. So, <clears throat> Relationship with yourself, I mean, I can talk about also relationship with, with my teacher, for example, you know. I had a dream the other day, and uh, in my dream, I was traveling, and so I ended up into this place which looked very much like an antique store, and my teacher and I used to visit a lot of antiques to buy statues and you know in Korea we used to, to buy bells and stuff like that a very fascinating place with all kind of things you know and uh, <coughs> and shows up inside this uh, room also sitting with one of his students so I greet him I say so hi <laughs> <laughs> and so we seem to be very happy to see each other and uh, and he tells me say oh hi Andre I'm going to buy something for you Oh, I said, that's great. Thank you. And uh, he looks around and uh, he finds a, a copper pot, you know, a kitchen copper pot. I was trained as a chef and I love cooking with copper. So obviously in my dream, I knew what I liked. But I was very touched that he actually 
knew what I liked as well. <laughs> I said, that was nice of you, thank you so much. And, and I said, Salim, I'd like to buy something for you too. And he said, ooh! <laughs> okay. And he goes around, practically knowing where he was going. And on the top shelf, like almost inaccessible, between two objects, there was like a, a little corner of a plastic bag. And he started pulling it, so I helped him and pull it. And it was a bag of peanuts. Because <laughs> he loves peanuts. <laughs> And he was very happy. And I said, well, this bag is quite small. <coughs> Maybe there is more. So we started digging and there was four more peanut bags. So we got five. And then, so happy to see each other again, we went and have hot cocoa together. You know? And so the cocoa was so good. So I just basically, uh, you know, take my spoon and uh, Instead of drinking it like this, I drink it with a spoon, you know, very like a child, you know, like a, like a bone going after, I mean, a dog going after his bone, you know, that was it, you know, that was the only thing, you know, happening, I was so involved with it, you know. And then I hear click, 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 and it was Salim, he was taking a photograph of me eating cocoa. Yeah, I suppose he was quite uh, happy to see me so focused. Concentrate, showing up to my cocoa. <laughs> and so right after that, you know, the entire world started to come with like begging pot and trumpet and trombones and drums and everything else to distract me from my cocoa. You know? <laughs> but I was so involved with my cocoa that they, nothing could really disturb me from it. And I woke up. And Ah, it warmed, I wake up, my heart was so happy, you know, <laughs> it just was so good. I felt really good to see my teacher, you know, there. And uh, it was a morning in which uh, a friend uh, come and sit with me. So it was like around uh, 5 a.m. And uh, after uh, sitting, I could hardly wait. I called my teacher in New York and I told him, I said, Swanim, I had a dream about you. And I told him about, you know, uh, these dreams. And then he went on to say, oh, Anjali, do you remember in Korea when we traveled together? Because I did a few trips with him, you know. And uh, he said, remember, we went to visit Suraksa and uh, we uh, met the Mad Monk, uh, which was like a very dear friend of, uh, uh, of Sunim. He was a very well-known and celebrated uh, Mark artist, very wild. I'm not going to go there, but wild. <laughs> and uh, every time we go to Korea, we pay a visit to him. It was like such a wonderful uh, visit. But he was dying, and so he was standing in that temple, and um, right at the bottom of a beautiful mountain called Suraksa. And uh, Surak Mountain, sorry. But the temple, which is on top, called Suraksa. Anyhow, and uh, Traveling with Sunim and being a student, you know, and I was by myself with him, he never missed one opportunity to pocket me, you know, all the time. Really, just to kind of really teach me. Every moment was an opportunity for, you know, teaching. So, which, of course, he knew how to push all of my buttons, you know. And I would get really angry inside, you know, like this. <laughs> it was like, I just. 
I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so one morning we decided to climb that mountain and I was like, oh, I was not like really feeling so happy, you know. And I was, also, of course, uh, walking behind him through the bamboo groves. And then we went by a little sub-temple and there was a sign over there, carved sign, you know, like this one over here, you know, under, you know, at the entrance of each temple, there is uh, usually a calligraphy of the name of the temple. And, uh, <coughs> and I asked him, and I said, Sunim, what does it mean, mm. you know? And he looks at me, he knew, of course, what was going on, and he said, it means the hero that does not turn back, you know, going straight, you know, and leaving everything behind just now. Only don't know, going straight, like a hero, no turning back. So, anyway, my bag is empty. (laughs) I just thought I'd come and show you a few stories and uh, try to kind of uh, encourage ourselves to show up, you know, and lighten the boat you know, each step fresh, each moment for the first time, this moment only, you know, so that's all.